said, welcome We're back. Terrible, aren't we? Yeah. We are back in the book of Judges this morning. Uh, moving on to Judges chapter 4. And uh, we're going to take a look at something that might be a little touchy uh, today, and um, probably not for anybody in this room, but maybe for some of the people that are listening online. Um, but, you know, I, I'm often, not often, but I hear from other people that are often asked, you know, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And, um, or why, you know, why are people allowed to be in situations and and first we have to understand that there are no good people the book of Romans Paul tells us that there's no one good no not one and um, that we've all sinned we've all come short of the glory of God we compare our standard of goodness with uh, when we compare our standard of goodness against what the Lord's standard of goodness is they're two completely different things Uh, they're very far apart but uh, in that, we see a lot of times that people are often in roles that they're not necessarily supposed to be, that they shouldn't be. Uh, we've all worked with people that are in areas of leadership that have no capacity for leadership. Uh, we've all had things like that. We, you know, um, we all know that... Uh, that story of you know the mother that that is raising her kids by herself and working two or three jobs and the kids are at home trying to take care of themselves and kids that have had to grow up and and uh, how that's not the way it should be and we we understand that that's not the way it should be that there should be two parents in the household and each parent has their role that they should be fulfilling but here in the book of Judges, we're going to see uh, somebody that's been put in a role that shouldn't necessarily be there, but they're put there be out of necessity. So, uh, Judges chapter 4 and verse number 1. Judges chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron, and twenty years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim, And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment, and she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for this truth. Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct today. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would understand uh, this simple truth. And Lord, that it would change us and affect us and 
bring us to the point of serving you, of being completely sold out. So God, please guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now again, uh, we, we're going to see this over and over again, and I'm sure I'm going to say this many times, but Israel is just completely foolish. Uh, Israel has turned away again after Ehud and Shamgar. You know, last week we talked about Shamgar. We saw a man who was willing to stand up, and uh, he, he slayed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And really, that's all we know about Shamgar. But he was, he was chosen. He was led by God. He was equipped by God, and he was strengthened by God. But the most important part of the story is that he was willing to stand and fight when he was called on to fight. That's not the case today. Here Israel again has turned away and, and gone back and is serving idols and, and doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Turn with me for a second to Proverbs 26. Try not to be too disgusting with this, but Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26 and verse number 11. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. We've all seen dogs and cats that have hacked up and then turned around and eaten it again. It's disgusting. It's horrible. But that is what God sees when a foolish man who's been delivered from his foolishness returns and does it again. That's what he's seeing over and over again with Israel. Second Peter chapter 2 Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 19 Second Peter 2:19 While they promised them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than them, worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to return from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. We often live this life. We, uh, our life is this cycle that we see in Israel. We, we love the Lord, we serve the Lord, and, and then things go great and, and we begin to our love and our service begins to wane. Uh, we, we see this in our marriage. We, we are courting, you know, as you're, you're dating and trying to get to know somebody. Uh, Rachel wouldn't know anything about this because of the way things happen with us, but we, we do everything we can to present ourselves in a, a good light and to, to be affectionate and to be loving. And then uh, when we finally win and we get married and, and Things start to happen. We have kids and, and 
we get busy and that love begins to it's still there uh, we still love each other more than we ever did but uh, we begin to not take the time to show it we take the time to to worry about everything else instead of worrying about cultivating and growing that love and it begins to diminish and then one day we wake up and uh, we have to realize wait we there's there's something wrong and we have to return and we have to work even harder to get back to where we were and it's the way it is with with Israel and the way it is with us as as Christians we we serve God and we walk with God and we follow God and then uh, things are not hard anymore so we begin to look at other things we begin to look at the waves we begin to look at the storms we begin to look at the world and and all of a sudden we we walk away a little bit and if you look at every man that god puts forth in the bible and the majority of the women he doesn't give as much information about the women as he does the men throughout the bible but you look at every man that ever walked with god Every man that God has ever put forth in his word, and you'll see uh, a steady, uh, it almost looks like a saw blade. You'll see, see them uh, begin and, and serve God, and then, or, or God takes them from somewhere and brings them to him, and then they begin to walk away, and there comes a point in their life where they understand that, oh, they're really in trouble, and they immediately go back to God. And, uh, you see this in Abraham. You see it in David. You know, David with Bathsheba when, when he... Uh, didn't go out and do what he was supposed to do. He didn't go out with the army. He stayed home and, and sat on his laurels and he looked out and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath and, and he took her and, and, and had his issue with her and, and then he, he brought in her husband Uriah and, and he got him drunk and tried to get him to, to go home and cover up the sin and then he wouldn't go home and, and then he sent him to the front lines and had him killed. and he's God, David is far away from God at this point. David is committing murder at this point. It isn't until Nathan the prophet comes and says, Thou art the man, that David, it clicks. And he repents immediately. And he gets right with God and he comes back. But then, you know, he falls away again. This is that foolishness that we see in Proverbs, that we see in Second Peter. This is the foolish that we're seeing in Israel right now. Israel, God made it very clear in the law that he expected Israel to follow him. He's already punished them how many times for not following these rules and these laws. But unfortunately, Israel can't seem to learn their lesson. And they continue to turn away from God and worship idols. But this time, God's going to sell them into Jabin, the king of Canaan. Now, we understand the Canaanites uh, are direct descendants of Noah. Canaan was Noah's grandson. And we understand that Canaan was cursed. Uh, the son of Ham, Noah's son Ham, who came over on the ark, uh, again, a man who knew and understood God's love. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah built the ark. Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives are one of they're, they're the, they make up the eight people that survived the mass flood that covered the whole world, that destroyed all of humanity. These are people that should have immediately followed God and continually followed God. Yet we see in Genesis that this didn't happen. Genesis 9, we see where 
uh, Ham and or Canaan is going to be cursed. Genesis 9 and verse number 18. The Bible says, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Verse number 20. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Now, just a side note, this is the first word that drunken, the first time that drunken is used in the Bible. This is not a good thing. And for those Christians out there that believe that they can drink and, and still serve the Lord, it's very clear here that being drunk is not acceptable in God's eyes. But Noah was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their fathers were their faces were backwards and they saw not their father's nakedness and Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him and he said curse be Canaan a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren and he said blessed be the lord of Shem and the lord god of Shem and uh, and Canaan shall be his servant god shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant and Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now there's a couple of things. Back to Noah and his drunkenness. We understand that God didn't have respect on Noah after this because Noah lived another 350 years after the flood, and nothing is known of that time. Nothing. For a man that God said was going to be perfect in his generations... You hear nothing after the flood because Noah was made a mistake and he got drunk and he didn't walk with God after that. And we have to understand in this story that Ham, Ham is not faultless in all of this. Ham should have taken care of the situation himself. He'd already seen his father's nakedness. He should have just went in and covered his father up. But instead he went out and told his brethren. And he made it known uh, where it shouldn't have been made known. This is, we talked a little bit last week about that being a talebearer, being a, a gossip. This is an example of that. And because of all of this, because of Noah's reaction, because of, of Noah's drunkenness and, and Ham's reaction, and then Noah's reaction when he wakes up, an entire generation and all the generations to follow are cursed. Anyone that came from Canaan is cursed they're going to be a servant to everybody else Noah prophesied that Canaan would be a servant to his brethren and the Canaanites were to be servants of the descendants of Shem which is where Abraham or Abram comes from and now it's the other way around because Abraham's descendants have failed to do what they're doing now they're being overrun by Canaan. And God is allowing them, allowing Canaan to come in and, and teach Israel. For 20 years, Sisera, the captain of the host of Canaan, had, is, is 
dealing with Israel. He had 900 chariots. Now we saw back in Judges chapter 1 that Judah couldn't drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. It's not because they were a stronger army. It's because Judah didn't have enough faith. And I think we looked at that when we were, when we were back there. But a superior army with a superior equipment is not a problem for the Lord. We saw this just a little bit ago, with Sham, or just last week with Shamgar. Shamgar had an ox goad. He had a pointed stick. And he killed 600 Philistines and delivered Israel. Now I'm pretty sure the Philistines had a superior force and superior equipment. I'm sure they weren't just fighting with sticks. We're going to see, and we all know the story, uh, we, we tell it or, or show it every other Sunday down at the park, David and Goliath. Goliath, again, a Philistine. A giant of a man. A man who was nine and a half feet tall when you take the average length of a cubit. A man who had been a warrior from his youth. And David took him down with a sling and a stone. David, a, a young man, a teenager. A man who was barely old enough to take care of his father's sheep who was not old enough to be in the army. But God was there. We'll see it here in just a couple of chapters with Gideon. Gideon and his 300 men are going are gonna to get, they're going to drive out the Midianites. They don't even have to lift a sword. God's going to turn Midian to fight against themselves. The difference between Israel at this point and Shamgar and Gideon and David and, and all those men that we've talked about is Israel is not willing to follow. Israel in, instead is willingly choosing to follow idols. And that's where Deborah comes in. Now Deborah was a prophetess. This is, another, this is a case of having, being the exception rather than the rule. In our lives, there's the general rule. Right? There's the rule of law. There's, there's the general guidelines of how things should be done. And then there's exceptions. Now, the exceptions don't always, almost never, work the way it should work. We talked about it a little bit just a minute ago, but... Uh, God's plan for the world was for a husband and a wife to marry and come together and create a family and have children. And for that husband and that wife to raise those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, teaching them about God, teaching them to serve God, helping them to follow God, and for those children to grow and continue the cycle. That was God's plan. But because during the time of Moses, the Israelites weren't happy with what they had, they asked for Moses to be able to give them papers of divorce. So now, instead of it being one husband and one wife for God's family, it becomes, well, I can throw away my wife whenever I want and start over if I don't like it, if it gets hard. The old commercials for 
was it Staples? With the easy button? Life doesn't have easy buttons. Life isn't always easy. Life gets hard. But because we have done so much over our history to allow, uh, to, to make life easier, we have a generation now that when things get hard, they don't know what to do. They shut down. I have a, I have a cousin right now. I love him to death. And uh, he is doing great and amazing things. He's autistic. He's doing great things. Uh, he's going to college. He's, uh, he's working a job. Working a job. He, he is growing. He's doing things that a lot of people his age that are normal don't do. But his issue is he doesn't, he doesn't have the capability of dealing with stress. Of dealing with things when things go wrong. So uh, his goal for his next life goal for his uh, with the, the people that he's working with is for him to be able to get a driver's license and to buy a car. He doesn't believe he's going to reach that goal. He doesn't believe that he'll ever be able to drive because he doesn't believe that he'll ever be able to, to function in, a, in an emergency situation and be able to actually do what he needs to do. But the rest of the world is in the same point right now. We just saw it last week. We, we saw uh, a ruling that should never have had to have been made. Uh, we saw a law that should never have had to have been put into effect. Get put into effect. And now the people that are against that law are just going insane. They're going crazy. We saw it when Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. They went crazy. They rioted. They threw, they threw a tantrum. They were like a three-year-old in Walmart that didn't get a toy. Here, God is going to raise up Deborah, Deborah the prophetess. But in order to understand why uh, she was chosen to judge Israel, we need to understand why she shouldn't have ever been in that position. So let's go back to Genesis 3. Now, I say Genesis 3, and the majority of you, or all of you, should know roughly what this part is in the Bible. This is where Adam and Eve have sinned and fallen in the garden where they've disobeyed God, willingly disobeyed God, and now God is going to punish them. So we're going to start Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 12. Sorry. Excuse me. Verse number 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. 
And I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Verse number 16, And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. You see, Adam and Eve were created to stand next to each other. They were created to walk equally through this world. And it's no different today for a husband and a wife. God's plan, when he created Adam, and then he took Adam's rib and created Eve and put them together, God's plan was for them to walk side by side. They each had their own roles. But they were equal. And that's still God's plan today. But because of this sin, because... Oh, Honestly, because Adam didn't do his job. Because Adam didn't fulfill his role. He didn't properly teach his wife. He, didn't, he wasn't there next to her, protecting her, guiding her, directing her. When Satan came along and beguiled her, we have discipline taking place. But I want you to notice verse number 12. Now, I skipped the part about them hiding and covering themselves with fig leaves. But in verse number 11, God speaking to them says, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And Adam immediately says, The woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now, he, he told the truth. Eve gave him the fruit, and Adam ate. But in this context, he's blaming the woman. Eve goes on to pass the blame to Satan. And Satan, he just gets the brunt of it, because he is the last. But because of all of this, God says... Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The husband now is to be the head of the house. He's to be the ultimate decision maker. Eve is still supposed to follow, or supposed to uh, live and, and serve, and walk with God on her own. But some of the decision making has been taken away. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, First Timothy 2 and verse number 14, and this is extremely important to remember. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Adam willingly ate of the fruit. He willingly disobeyed God. Now, Israel doesn't have the New Testament, but they have the writings of Moses. They have uh, 
Genesis. They, they have the understanding of the roles that men and women should play in their society. And they're not following those roles. If we look a little earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul gives instructions to Timothy. This is where I might step on a few toes in the online world. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll just start in verse number 1. I exhort, therefore, that First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness, or all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, shall she, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and with sobriety. Paul says to Timothy, don't let the women have authority over the men in the church. Let them learn in silence. Now, our world today would say that's completely backwards. They would say that's archaic. But that is what God says. Yet here is Deborah, a prophetess, in the book of Judges, giving God's word, judging Israel, giving the ruling so that Israel can follow God. Why? He clearly states in many pas- God clearly states in many passages throughout the Bible that she should not be in that role. She shouldn't be. We understand that this role is is a best case scenario, which is what we should always strive for, but most often fall short of. The answer is very simple as to why she's here. Because there wasn't anyone else willing to do it. There wasn't anyone else with a heart that was capable of doing it. As far back as the garden, God's men have been failing to perform their roles. So God's women have had to step up and fill the gap. Again, if 
Adam had been there protecting, caring for, and properly teaching his wife, she would never have had to make the decision she did with the fruit. She would have seen Satan for what he was and avoided him at all costs. The same thing here. Why wouldn't God have used Lapidoth, her husband? He's mentioned right here. Because he wasn't available. Even Barak, who Deborah goes and sends for, the one who's going to lead the army, is too scared to go without her. She says, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Hath is past tense. It's already happened. He's already been commanded by God, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men, and go fight against Sisera. And yet, it's not been done. Because there's a lack of faith. God even told Barak that he would draw Sisera to the river, and he would deliver Barak into deliver Sisera into Barak's hand. Yet, Barak didn't believe God. How often do we live our lives this way? We hear or read God's word and we're, we're given promises and then when the time comes, our faith fails and we fail. I mean... We're, we're getting ready to uh, talk about Jesus walking on the water. Uh, it's coming here pretty soon in the book of John. And Peter, Peter says, Lord, if it's, really that, if it's really you, bid me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come on. And Peter, for a moment, steps out and is able to perform this tremendous miracle. And yet, he begins to see the wind and the waves, and he sinks. We're going to look a little bit tonight. I don't want to preach the whole message from tonight, but we're going to look a little bit at, at the timeline of how, when all of this happened, and where we're at in the book of John compared to where we're at in the other Gospels. And we, we're going to understand that the passage we talked about last week and the passage we're going to talk about this week, there's a giant time gap here in the book of John. Peter walking on the water with Christ is after Christ had sent out the twelve apostles two by two and given them power and authority over unclean spirits, the power to heal. He had given them his authority, his power to do miracles. They had been performing miracles for almost a year at this point when Peter is walking on the water and fails. I have lived my life, the first half of it, away from God, not knowing or caring if there was a God. But since I got saved, I have lived my life in this cycle of faith and failure and faith and failure and faith and failure. We're going to talk in the next, in the, the main service, we're going to talk about uh, some times on the road that uh, 
we just had to have faith. And I look back on those times and, and I, I often regret the fact that I don't have that same faith. The fact that my love and my walk for God with God has changed. This is the wake-up call. This is Nathan standing in front of us saying, Thou art the man. Israel again has walked away from God. And we're going to see Barak and Deborah and, and Jael. And we're going to see a great delivery again. But then we're going to see another failure. But the whole reason that Deborah is here as a prophetess, as a judge over Israel, is because nobody else could and nobody else would. Again, we looked at it last week with Shamgar. Shamgar just stood and did what God wanted him to do. But he's the only one. And now Deborah is just holding on. It's not the way God ever intended it to be. Israel is far from where God intended them to be. We are far from where God truly intended us to be. So today, let's wake up and hear the call. And let's get back to what God has for us. Get back to exactly where God wants us to be.